You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The following program is a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill. Welcome to the Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you're a believer or a skeptic, it's always worth the hunt. My name is Michael O'Neill. I am the Miracle Hunter and creator of the website MiracleHunter.com. I'll be your host for the next hour as we continue our weekly exploration of the world of miracles. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It's great to be back in the saddle with a new program for you today. I always try to keep the topics aligned based on feast days and big news items, but today's show kind of came out of the blue. Uh, It's something I got really excited about. I was at an event a couple weekends ago, and someone came up to me and said, Hey, Miracle Hunter, have you seen the, the new Life magazine? Well, I admitted that I hadn't seen it, and they said it's an issue completely dedicated to miracles. Now, the very next day, I jumped in my car and raced over to the local Barnes & Noble, and I saw it, a Life magazine with an image of Our Lady on the cover entitled, Miracles, the Presence of God in Our Lives. It's a beautiful, thick, special edition featuring all the dramatic photography that we've come to expect with Life magazine. The magazine is presented from a believer's perspective and it's Catholic through and through. The magazine presents the full gamut of the miraculous, from the Old Testament miracles to the miracles of Jesus to the famous miracles in the history of the Catholic Church to modern miracles. It's really a beautiful piece of work. I recommend it to anyone with an interest in miracles, and today we're privileged to have the editor of that issue on the show with us today, Robert Sullivan of Life magazine. And of course, in just a bit, I'll be asking you a Catholic trivia question, so get your pens and paper ready. Later in the show, we'll be talking about how Our Lady is honored around the world on today, January 7th, in our segment, 365 Days with Mary. For more information on this project, you can go to 365dayswithmary.com or on Facebook, 365 Days with Mary. This week in Miracle Hunter News, well... It really isn't news at all, or it's not that surprising anyway, but uh, in an article, uh, according to the BBC, there was a new poll uh, conducted amongst Church of England goers about whether or not they believed in the existence of the devil. Well, a third of the public there claims to be active members of the Church of England, and of those churchgoers, only 29% believe in the devil. Well, this poll comes in response to 400 Church of England parishes that began uh, coming up with alternative baptism services, leaving out the words devil or sin. Pretty interesting, huh? And what's the old saying? The devil's greatest trick is convincing the world that he doesn't exist. To keep up to date with the latest in Miracle News, please visit MiracleHunter.com and sign up for our newsletter you'll receive a monthly email with the latest Miracle Hunter news, including reports on the latest miracles and news stories, links to past radio episode podcasts, updates on my television series, Miracle Hunters, now in development, and my book, Hunting for a Miracle, due out in spring 2014, any upcoming speaking engagements, and much, much more. So sign up for the newsletter on MiracleHunter.com by clicking the newsletter link at the bottom of the page. Now, speaking of my television series, Miracle Hunters, which is now in development, for those listeners not familiar with the project, I was contacted by a Hollywood production company over a year and a half ago 
who asked if I was interested in doing a television docu-series based on my miracles research. Well, I was really excited uh, to get that call, and of course, I went ahead with the project. Um, so I was excited by the concept, and we shot a pilot earlier this year. And after months of editing and re-editing and working with network executives, they finally sent me the finished product this past weekend. Now, I have to admit, I am pretty excited with the quality of the filming and the editing, and it was a lot of fun for me to watch. Hopefully, you will enjoy it as well. It was great to see after all the research and script writing that went into it, not to mention the week's worth of filming on location in Miami and New Mexico. So please visit MiracleHunter.com for more information on this project and subscribe to the newsletter for updates on when it will be airing on a station near you. And we'll be turning to the mailbag, or the email inbox, as it were, for something recently sent to us at questions at MiracleHunter.com. We have a question from listener Lisa. She asks, I am inquiring to see if you have more information on the 1871 alleged apparition to Teresa Schaefer in St. Louis. This is from Lisa in St. Louis. I guess it's only natural to want to know about any miracles happening in your area. So the story of this miracle was that on Saturday, August 25th, 1871, at about 11 o'clock in the morning, Teresa Schaefer, who was suffering from a tumor in the liver and abdomen, was about to receive the last rites. She saw then to the right of her bed a woman clothed with a robe of dazzling white with a white veil and a golden crown formed of stars, in her own words, um, and a shining light. The apparition rested her right hand on her chest, saying, you should put a picture in this room that depicts the appearance that you have received. Would you like to dedicate yourself to entering a convent and to start a center dedicated to assisting the sick? She, uh, Our Lady also said, just your mother will be buried, but you will enter a convent. Anna Wentz, who was a woman present in the chamber with Therese at this time, she did not see or hear anything. In the very next instant, Therese was completely healed. And the next day, the doctors, Jamal, Papin, and Cooper, they all signed uh, a medical certificate testifying to the disappearance of the tumors and saying it was a complete healing in which they were saying that they had no medical explanation for what happened. Now, there was no ecclesiastical investigation or approval by the local bishop regarding these events from 1871, but it's an interesting story nonetheless. There was actually another apparition claim in St. Louis less than a decade earlier uh, to 16-year-old Mary Wilson in 1862. And there are only actually a handful of alleged apparitions in the history of the United States prior to the 1980s. So the fact that there were two in the same city in such a short span is kind of interesting. But from the years 1980 to 2000, there were more claims in the United States than any other country in the world. Why is that? Well, nobody really knows, and there's different theories, but some of them include the rise of the Medjugorje movement in the United States starting in 1981. To see more information on these trends, uh, go to the Miracle Hunter apparition approval list that catalogs all the apparitions in the history of the Church. There are over 2,500 on the list on the site. So thanks again for your question, Lisa, and for more information on this apparition story and many, many others, please visit MiracleHunter.com. 
If you have questions uh, for the Miracle Hunter, email questions at miraclehunter.com. Well, it's time for Catholic Pub Trivia. Each week I'll be asking a trivia question and giving out a prize for a caller that gets the right answer. This week, as in past weeks, we'll be giving away a framed image of a piece of artwork entitled The Faces of Mary. It's a photo mosaic of over 100 images of Our Lady that forms a large, beautiful image of the Madonna and child when you step back to look at it. Trivia questions are generously provided by Catholic Pub Trivia, an organization that partners with Catholic parishes, schools, or religious organizations to host Trivia Night fundraisers at local establishments. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. We always try to keep the questions relevant, and on January 2nd, we just celebrated the anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady of Pilar in Zaragoza, Spain. So here's the question. According to legend, in the early days of the Church, on January 2nd, 40 A.D., one of the Twelve Apostles was proclaiming the Gospel in Zaragoza, Spain, when he saw Mary miraculously appearing in the flesh on a pillar, calling him to return to Jerusalem. What was the name of this Apostle? Again, this is the Our Lady of Pilar apparition in 40 A.D. to an Apostle. What was the name of this Apostle? And we'll reveal the winner later in the show. For more information on Catholic Pub Trivia, or to organize an event in your area, please visit catholicpubtrivia.com. For those just joining the program, this is Michael O'Neill, and you are listening to the Miracle Hunter radio show. And for more information on the program or my research on miracles, please visit miraclehunter.com. Each week, we'll be doing a segment entitled 365 Days with Mary. This has been quite popular uh, based on the number of people visiting the website and comments that we've been getting about it. Uh, This is a new initiative of Miracle Hunter. In the course of my research in the last 15 years on apparitions, miraculous images, and all things Marian, I've come to realize that for each and every day of the year, somewhere in the world, there's a Marian title, feast, or commemoration of some event being celebrated. It really never ceases to amaze me how much the world loves and honors the Mother of God throughout the year. Now, this is a project I've been compiling over years, five years or more, uh, but through my uh, research, I've assembled all the dates with their feasts into one research and a resource, and I call this project 365 Days with Mary. Hey, we have a caller on the line, uh, Sister Teresa, with an answer to the trivia question. Hi, Sister Teresa. Hi. Hi, thanks for calling in. Uh, did you have an answer to the trivia question today? St. James. St. James, that's correct. Uh, you have the correct answer, the correct apostle. The question was, to what person, what apostle did Mary appear in Zaragoza, Spain in 40 A.D.? And indeed, the answer is St. James. So thanks very much for calling in today, and we'll send you an image of the faces of Mary. Thanks so much. Thank you. And that was our trivia answer. We got another uh, quick call today with the correct answer, so that's great. Thanks so much for, for calling in. So back to 365 Days with Mary, uh, this is the project uh, that features an image, a description, and the history of each feast day, along with information uh, on the shrines associated with them, 
which includes visitor information and links for those wish, wishing, wishing to see those sites. So you, if you see a, a shrine of Our Lady, a title of Our Lady that you have a particular favoritism toward and you want to honor her under that title, you can actually visit these places if you go to 365dayswithmary.com. Now, the project is, is available in print form. Um, it's also available uh, online and on Facebook and Twitter. So if you follow us on Facebook each day, you'll actually get uh, an image of uh, Our Lady along with the information on that. And on Twitter, if you're a Twitter follower, it'll be sent to your phone or your Twitter account, and you'll find out that day's devotion. So it's, it's a pretty interesting project that we've been working on, and uh, please visit the site. Now this week we've had some major Marian feasts, including the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, on January 1st. We also celebrated the Epiphany last Sunday. And there were also several apparitions commemorated this week. Uh, Our Lady of the Pillar, that we just talked about, Our Lady of the Rose, Our Lady of the Abundance, and an apparition to St. Jerome Emiliani in Treviso, Italy, in the 16th century. And um, today's commemoration is on for January 7th. It is Madonna della Grazia, or Our Lady of Grace, and it's from Costa Fulgaria in Italy in the year 1588. And again, it relates to January 7th. So in January of 1588, Our Lady appeared to a monk, Dosso Peter, asking him to build a church in that place. For centuries, it was one of the most important Marian shrines in uh, Trentino. In 1955, Pope Pius XII proclaimed Our Lady of Grace of Costa the most important and distinguished patron of all skiers in Italy. So that's kind of an interesting uh, patronage, the patronage of skiers. Uh, so that's um, Our Lady of Grace in Costa Fulgaria, Italy. So please visit 365dayswithmary.com to find out more about the Madonna um, del Grazia, and you can see uh, information on the shrine in case you ever wanted to visit and any prayers associated with that devotion, if there's any skiers out there uh, who are looking for a patron saint. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, listeners who frequent uh, their neighborhood bookstores may have seen one of the latest special issues of Life magazine. It features a beautiful image of a statue of Our Lady, uh, with a child lovingly kissing her hand. Now, the title of this special issue is called Miracles, the Presence of God in Our Lives. Now, the book begins with a tantalizing question and introduction piece entitled, Do You Believe in Miracles? and proceeds to explore the history of miracles, including Old Testament miracles. It goes through the miracles of Jesus and even into modern uh, miraculous phenomenon. So we're honored today to have with us on today's program Robert Sullivan, the editorial director of Life Books, and the managing editor of that special edition on miracles. Uh, welcome to the show, Bob. It's nice to be with you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us, and congratulations on assembling such a beautiful magazine. Oh, well, thank you. It's, um, it was uh, fun to do. It's actually um, it, it, uh, a t- the topic, um, when I was at the Life Monthly magazine um, back in the 1990s, we did a piece on miracles, uh, and that was written by George Howe Cole, a wonderful writer, and um, 
and it really resonated with our readers. And I've been doing the books now at Life Books for about, oh, 12 or 13 years now. And it's a topic I always wanted to get back around to because I kept thinking about George's piece and how much it did resonate with our readers. And then also um, I had done a book on... Um, uh, called Who Do You Say That I Am for uh, just on my own with a, with a couple of colleagues, which were interviews with people about Jesus uh, uh, several years ago, which led to um, a book on Mary, uh, Blessed Art Thou Among Women. And uh, again, what we did was interview people around the world uh, for reflections on Mary. And at that time, I was I, I went to Tom Janot, who um, who had uh, traveled um, with his wife. Um, and written on uh, Mary and miracles for life, and um, uh, and asked for Tom's thoughts on it, and he was just so provocative and um, and uh, you know uh, uh, on the subject uh, that I always wanted to go back to it in a life book, talk to Tom again, maybe quote from his past writings for us, and uh, that's what led to that sort of. The, as you say, the early meditation in our book there, Do You Believe in Miracles, before we get on to, you know, the picture, the picture history of miracles. Um, and, and I noticed that even the cover of the magazine is the same as that 1991 issue, the image of Our Lady of Medjugorje. Um, I thought that was very interesting to tie sort of this we, current issue with the past issue. We couldn't beat it. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a beautiful picture, I think, um, by... Uh, um, I believe that's taken by Joe McNally, who was our last staff photographer at Life, and um, and it's just such a beautiful photograph. Uh, there's so much um, passion and compassion in it uh, that uh, you know we, we looked at other covers, uh, potential covers, and we and we just settled on that one. You know, sometimes you don't want to go with a photograph that's that's a few years older just because you know haircuts change you know and, and yeah you can you can see the the that it is an older photograph but it's also timeless in that you know it shows that compassion and, and special connection that people have well thanks for saying that that's the way it that's the way it felt to us and and we hope um and we hope it does with our readers as well sure and and so what what actually inspired you to um to do this, what, why do you think that people are interested in miracles? Why is why is this worthy of a full life book issue? I, well, I think part of it is, is is about that question: Do you believe in miracles? I think part of the reason why people are so endlessly fascinated with miracles it, it has to do with the, uh, you know, part of the same reason they're endlessly fascinated uh, with Mary. Um, a, a cover story I did for the Monthly Life years and years ago was called "The Mystery of Mary." Um, you know, she's she's so little mentioned um, in the Bible that we can ascribe so much to her. Um, you know, she she is um, she's mentioned more often in the Koran than she is in the Bible. Right. Um, always, always uh, honorably, um, always with respect. Um, but her narrative, her 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 biography, if you will, is very little known. So, when you have something like Mary. Or like miracles that is uh, that are at least mysterious, if not inexplicable. Um, everybody has a has an impression, and everybody has an opinion. Um, that makes it by nature; it makes it de facto um, fascinating. Um, 
so it, so it becomes a fascinating topic over time. But then also, um, it, it, it's a canvas, isn't it? Uh, so that you can, you can paint your own Mary in a way, and you can paint your own impression of miracles. And you can, you know, I mean, it's a miracle to wake up every morning. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, life is a constant miracle. That's right. Everybody has small miracles, and there are big miracles out there, which is what the book covers as well. So I think that's an interesting perspective on that. Yeah. Right. And so it touches us all. Um, and, you know, and, 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 um, and it touches us it really as a kind of a daily preoccupation. If you enjoy the day just past, you know, you, you, you give thanks to somebody for that. Um, and, um, and if, uh, you, you know, and if something, you know, and if you win the lottery, <laughs> you know, then, then you're giving thanks to somebody for, you know, for some kind of a, or, or if, you, you know, if, if, um, you get well after having been ill, um, you know, if you, uh, you know, I mean, these things, these things do happen in the course of life. And are they miraculous? Well, that's a semantic definition that, that we all wrestle with. What yeah, that leads me into my next question for you. What is your definition of a miracle? Well, that's interesting, too, because I, you know, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I guess it's interesting. I don't know. It's interesting to me. Um, you know, I'm a practicing Catholic, and um, and uh, and uh, you know, who like many of us, um, uh, you know, um, has faith, um, but intellectually has wrestled with faith in my adult years um, in a way that I didn't when I was a kid. You know, I envy the kid in me. Uh, you know, when when you could take faith on faith, and um, and so um, I've never. I don't think I've personally witnessed a miracle necessarily. Besides the miracle of life itself, um, I've seen some strange things, but we all have. And um, do I distrust people who tell me of other miracles? No, I don't, because you know it's all part of that larger wrestling match with faith. That you know, if I can, if I can go, if I can go that fifty yards, then you can go the other fifty yards to, well, you know what's going on. That's right, and uh, I, I was I was happy to see. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're taking your your own uh, personal beliefs and your background in editing this this magazine, this book. Um, but I, I really enjoyed in the introduction how you said, or how it was said that. In this book, we are accepting of miracles, and you sort of talk about a clear-eyed approach to presenting the miracle stories. And I thought that was so refreshing to see. Uh, obviously, Life is not a uh, religious magazine, but no. it sort of took that that angle and that it, it laid it all out there in the very first pages of the book how it was going to progress throughout the you know the presentation. And I, I thought that was refreshing. You know, it's like life. We hope. Um, we hope life is, uh, and again, I've been at this job with the books for 13 years, so we hope we've developed a, a voice of a certain kind and and more rapport with our readers. But I, I've always said, it's funny that you said you used the word not a religious magazine, because I've always said that the, there's a lot of things that life is not, and we are not overtly religious. That is absolutely true. Um, we are not 
but but when dealing with a topic like this or any other topic, I hope um, we are also not cynical and we're not very ironic. I mean, we you know we get our little jokes in in the prose sometimes, but we're you know as a as an approach, I, I don't I don't think we pro, we approach life itself um, ironically or cynically and. Um, and you know, let's face it. There's there's really no point in doing a book on miracles if you are going to approach it cynically. Um, you know, just go on to another topic. It's not worth your time. That's right. That's right. So I, I did appreciate that approach, and I think for the the readers who will be picking that up and and going through it, uh, obviously they they enjoy that sort of respect and uh, attention to to that. So that's great. Um, now speaking of your approach. Uh, the 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 magazine the the book is really covers the whole gamut of miracles. You go from Old Testament to miracles of Jesus to saints. You cover quite a bit. Can you talk a little bit about the interconnection between these various segments of the of the book and how you chose to lay it out that way? Sure, sure. Um, I, I can't talk on this particular topic with the an expertise uh, as, as, as akin to your own. But I, but I can tell you, I mean, some of the fascinating things, I think, for people are going to be, I mean, the, the, as we progress through the book, we do start with, um, you know, do you believe in miracles, which is sort of, a, again, a meditation, a, a kind of a, a word meditation to set up the premise of what we're going to be dealing with. And we talk about the fact that when you are dealing with miracles, at least in the context that we are with this book, we're not dealing with the lotto winner or the guy who bowled a 300 game. We're dealing right. with a religious topic here. And, 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 and it's, a, you know, it, um, it comes out of the Judeo-Christian tradition, but we point out, um, you know, uh, you know, Muhammad's night journey, um, was certainly a miracle. I mean, everybody's night journey is a miracle. That wasn't supposed to be a dream. That ha- that happened, um, you know, uh, in the in the Muslim faith. And so, this is not strictly a Christian um, uh, ownership thing. Um, it, but um, having said that, um, the famous miracles known to us all um, are in the Bible. Most of them, um, and and that that is the big. That is a big miracle narrative. What's fascinating to me, uh, you know, the, the third chapter is Old Testament miracles, and then the fourth chapter is the miracles of Jesus. Um, what what fascinated me, uh, and I think might be of interest to, to uh, your listeners, um, is the qualitative difference um, of Old Testament miracles and New Testament miracles. Um, yes, can you talk a little bit about that? Please? Sure. The Jewish miracles um, are, are big. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, the Red Sea, you don't get bigger than that. I mean, the Moses miracles are really, really big, and they're and big and all-encompassing for the forwarding of the chosen people. It's all about the people. It's about the community. And these are God's hand in... Um, guiding his nation on earth. And then when you get to the Jesus miracles, um, like the Jesus teachings, it, it, it becomes incredibly personal. And it's, you know, a leper, or it's, you know, uh, Lazarus. Um, you know, I mean, yes, there is the communal uh, loaves and fishes, um, but even that, the way it's written in the New Testament, it's a very personal 
um, dealing where, you know, he's, 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 um, you know, speaking of Mary, I mean, you know, he, he basically enlists Mary to help him, um, you know, on the Sermon on the Mount, um, not a miracle in, in, in the sermon itself, but in, in the ramifications of what he's saying, you know, miraculous thought, really. Um, that's another thing we really enjoyed getting into was, um, you know, wasn't Jesus himself a miracle? I mean, he was just, he was, his were so personal because he is the walking miracle, you know, right. as the son of God, um, that, it, you know, he's touching each individual, um, you know, one by one, whereas the Old Testament miracles were all about the Hebrew people um, and and getting them uh, to their promised land. Um and they were these overarching miracles. I mean, Noah and the flood, you know, I mean, um, and, uh, you know, um, so, so the, the qualitative differences is, is fascinating to me. And I think it has everything to do with what the writers of those books of the Bible um, was trying, were trying to convey. I mean, and I think there, there maybe was, they were trying to, miracles may play a different role in the lives of the faithful over different ages. Do you have any commentary on that? Sort of what does, what do miracles mean to people today versus uh, back in the times of the Old Testament or, or something like that? Yeah, I, I, I hope, you know, I really, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I don't feel qualified to answer that directly, but what I hope they mean um, is what, um, you know, I mean, there's a very lovely aspect um, to Jesus' miracles. Um, and, you know, um, these aren't the Sturm und Drang military miracles or anything like that. It, it, they're about compassion. They're about life itself. They're about living. And then they're about living ethically. And um, just like his teachings are, and so if it's a question of um, you know uh, the kids in Medjugorje um, taking lessons from an experience they had on the mountaintop, and the lessons that they pass along are as lovely as the ones they have. Boy, you know, I I subscribe to that all the time. I'm less, I'm less taken with, um, you know, um, a, a weeping statue in, in a backyard in Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, that it, it, I guess I'm I'm less taken with a miracle that doesn't have a message. Sure. Yeah. And uh, of course, these things are all open to interpretation. Different right. people may have different yep. inspirations from. Small and large things like like a weeping statue in their life. But, sure, yeah, but, and I, I, that's why I say I'm really not qualified. I'm only speaking personally there. Sure. And uh, what what would you say um, of all the different stories that you uh, strung together in, in this magazine? What, what's the most engaging for you? What do you find the most fascinating as far as miracle stories go? You know, I was taken by one. We went back, as you know, Michael. We went back to some earlier life stories that were done in the magazine um, uh, by some of our great photographers through the years at different places. And uh, the, the, the truly great Alfred Eisenstadt, one of our four original staff photographers, he, he took the uh, VJ Day photograph in Times Square 
of the sailor kissing the nurse, and he took a million other famous ones that you'd know. But um, he went to Lourdes um, for us uh, several years ago, and we and I was familiar with Isaac's photos, but I had never really read the story um, that accompanied them, and. I was so taken with some of the stories that the reporter who was with Izzy, and we reprinted the story in the magazine. Well, we didn't re- really reprint it. We rejiggered it and, and, and used much of that reporting uh, to report it anew, and we ran Izzy's photographs. Um, but, you know, there was this one fellow who was over there um, who um, wasn't sure why he was there. He, he You know, he, he was ill, but he wasn't sure why he was there, and he wasn't sure what he was expecting. But it was so beautiful, the way he expressed it, it, whether or not anything happened well for him going forward after Lourdes um, really didn't matter to him anymore, because what the trip had done to him was bring him closer to his... uh, faith and his hope for God. And, you know, if, if, if things went well, you know, he, he would certainly accept the miracle. Sure. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that something he didn't, he didn't even figure he was seeking a miracle, but he found himself there. Hmm. Um, and, and, um, I was just so moved by that, you know? Um, so some of these old stories that we found, um, you know, I found very captivating. I mean, Carl Maidens, another of our great photographers, um, you know, uh, was on the Pentecostal story um, back in the 1950s in life. You know, I mean, way before Pentecostalism became the big story that it is today and continues to be. And sure. um, fascinating. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was fabulous how the book, uh, the magazine, um took these old photo essays and, and rewove them together in a coherent way. I thought that was really well done. Thank you. It, it, was, it, was, it was fascinating to go back and find them. It was also fascinating to do, you know, the, the little profiles of all the miraculous people from the Bible, whether it's, uh, you know, Joan of Arc or, uh, you know, Joseph of Cupertino, the, uh, the, flying, flying. the yeah. flying priest. And, uh, but then other people who deserve you know, to be better known than they even are. Um, everybody knows about Mother Teresa, of course, and, and, and that's all great, but too few knew, know about Catherine Drexel. Yeah. That's right. I, I thought there was a, a nice, explicit attempt to have a mix of people, people who are the, the well-known, you know, uh, names at home that, that all Catholics would recognize, and then you, you made an effort to dig up some of the ones who, you know, aren't, aren't as well-known, but whose stories are interesting, and the miracles are interesting. So I thought that was really well done. Yeah, Catherine was, she's a, she was a, you know, I mean, for lack of a, a more, or, or lack of a more delicate way to put it, she was a real piece of work. She came from mainline Philadelphia, and um, when she decided to become a, a nun, um, and the the headline in the uh, in, in the society pages in the Philadelphia Public Ledger read, "Miss Drexel enters a Catholic convent, gives up seven million. You know, <laughs> but, but what she did was ter- take you know turn her share of 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 the family fortune 
uh, you know, toward doing good and and schools and and her two principal causes. She was um, white, but her two principal causes became the plight of African American children and Native American children, and uh, she was something. And um, you know, not not enough. I mean, so so. I mean, if we can tell some people about Catherine of Drexel as well as the familiar stories they know, like Padre Pio and sure. and and um, and even Edith Stein, that's a relatively well known story. Right. Um, you know, if we can do that, um, it, 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 you know, it entertains us. I mean, it makes it fun for us. Can you can you take me a little bit behind the scenes uh, for a lay person who doesn't work in? Uh publication or magazines. How does that work? What What is the team like that sits down and decides what saints uh, get canonized into the uh, the magazine and which saints are left out? How does How does that process work? You know, I, I hate to make it sound this way, but um, religion was one of my beats at life, and, and um, I, I've written a lot of religious stories through the years, and so um, as far as the formation of the book and who's in and who's out, that was largely my fault, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> blame me, um, our team. Uh, so I, I do a mock-up on a book like this, um, you know, and, and we have a team of five or six people who do the life books. And, uh, then the mock-up would go to our photo editors and, um, life is photo driven as you know. Right. And, um, and so, um, they would go and assemble the photographs from all over the world. Now I didn't know I was going to Use the Izzy and Maiden's photo essays until I thought to ask them, you know, could you also find out what life did in the past on particular topics? We must have visited Lords at one point, and certainly on the 100th anniversary, that's when we sent Izzy. And, um, and so they came back with these phenomenal photo essays, plus all the other photographs in the book. And then we sit with our designer, and, um, she, uh, you know, and she consults about the, and, and she goes in and picks typefaces and so forth. We did a, a lovely book, I, th- I think it is, anyways. I, I was quite pleased with it, and um, and it, and our readers were, I know, because they, they bought it in quantity um, earlier this year on uh, Pope Francis when uh, he became Pope. And, um, and you know, so our, our designer was the same for both of these books, and she has a real knack for designing our religious topics. She finds these beautiful fonts and typefaces and, um, and, uh, that set just the right tone, the, the right aesthetic tone. And then her layouts come in. And then basically, you know, I, again, I can, I confess on this one that, uh, on the religious topics, I, I pretty much write them myself and uh-huh. send them to the copy editors and, and, uh, and we go from there. Um, and I and I don't do that out of uh, any conceit. It's just that, um, frankly, it's faster um, than I could. I could hire David Van Bema, a wonderful religion writer from Time Magazine, whom I know very well, or or so forth. But basically, David and I, you know, and and others that I know, we're basically the same guy, and so. It's just adding another step, which is slowing things down a little. Sure. And one of the reasons I was uh, looking to interview to you today was it was clear to me in your writing style that this had some sort of meaning for you personally. It wasn't just you were 
presenting some stories and pushing it through, you, you reflected a little bit on it and the struggle that people have in, you know, accepting miracles in their own lives and sort of the meaning of miracles and the meaning of faith. So I really liked your introductions to the various sections. I thought that added a lot to the book. Well, thank you. I mean, you know, you only, all you can do is hope you get it right. Um, and, um, you know, you, you can, uh, um, but, and, and frankly, I don't think I would be, uh, uh, you know, um, I've been in this business now for 40 years, so I don't think, um, you know, 40 years ago I would have written quite so forthrightly about, um, or, or been confident enough on a, on a topic such as this. But at this point, I've, you know, you, you end up having written about religion for so long that, uh, um, you, you, I don't know, it's like riding a bike, right? You get a little more used to it. And, um, and, and but, but it always, but, it, it, you know, if I'm writing about religion or if I'm writing about the Boston Red Sox, the personal always creeps in. <laughs> sure. And is there anything you can tell us about upcoming projects uh, with Life Magazine that you're working on or that exciting things that are, are coming up? Well, uh, <laughs> sure. I'm quite, uh, you know, quite off the point. Um, we've got a book coming out, um, you know, uh, within a couple of weeks um, on Paul McCartney because, you know, it was 50 years ago that the Beatles uh Invaded America, and so uh, to commemorate that event, we get a life book on that coming out. Our biggest book out right now, um, you know, and, and I, although I have a personal uh, affinity for the miracles topic and the miracles book, um, the the book that um, was our dominant book in November and December certainly was our book called uh, "The Day Kennedy Died," uh, which was a you know a pretty exhaustive. Uh, and large um, look at um, the assassination of, of JFK 50 years ago, um, including a lot of um, new interviews and uh, and and but also a lot of um, stuff from you can imagine. I mean, uh, how Life Magazine covered that story back in '63, uh, right. and um, so that was that was a fascinating one to put together and. Um, and then, you know, but on this topic, yeah, we're going to be in Rome for um <clears throat> for the uh canonization of John Paul II and John the 23rd and um and what we're going to do with that is we have a book that we have published already previously years ago um that is a an illustrated biography of John Paul II. What we're going to do is if add to that book. Um, we will have photography from the ceremonies presided over by Francis, um, and um, we will tell the story of John the 23rd, which is not part of that book currently, and we'll get that out again pretty quickly after the ceremonies. Great. Yeah, I was in Rome for the beatification of John Paul II, and is an incredible throng of people and, and a real event. So uh, I'm sure that if you're there in Rome, you'll it'll be even more so uh, a huge event. So I, I something to look forward to. Yeah, I can't even imagine. It's uh, you, lucky you. I mean, that's just. I mean, it's it's such a beautiful place, anyways. And uh, but that kind of, um, you know, I mean, just seeing that kind of passion. You know, uh, it is so inspiring. I mean, I remember once just watching on television 
John Paul II's, uh, one of his Christmas masses, uh, the, the vigil mass, uh, at, at midnight in a driving, driving rain. And, and that didn't, and nobody was phased. And, uh, it was just, you know, it was yeah, people trekked there from all over the world, slept out all night, you know, didn't yeah. get to use the bathroom, didn't get to eat, and, and still they were just in line, you know, with you know, thousands and thousands of people just packed together for that for that moment of being there for his beatification. It was it was moving. So Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, speaking of moving, your your life magazine, uh Miracles, uh it was mo- moving for me and other people who have read it that I know and so Thank you so much for your great work, Bob, and thank you especially for being here on the program today. It has been my pleasure. And that was Robert Sullivan, the managing editor of Life's Miracles Special Edition magazine, and we thank him for joining us today. You can pick up a copy. Uh, it should be on uh, shelves until uh, February, I believe, is that what it, that's what it's uh, slated for. So go on out and pick up a copy. It's a beautiful, um, thick magazine with... They're traditionally beautiful photos uh, that they've been known for over the years. So go out and pick up a copy. And like I said, it's uh, Catholic through and through. It's it's really treats miracles in a way that I'm sure if you enjoy this program, you will appreciate. So uh, thanks thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I'd like to thank Bob again for joining us and. Um, joining us on the show, Miracle Hunter, where it doesn't matter if you are a skeptic or a believer, but it's always worth the hunt. Talk to you next time. You're tuned to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Miracle Hunter with Michael O'Neill.